everyone, and welcome to another edition of Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. I'm one of your hosts, Peter Madrigal. Hey guys, and I'm Rob Federick. I'm Rob Schulte, and here we are with a space opera like no other, or is it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, just to start us off, we are reviewing today the movie Valerian that came out in the year 2017. Right. Now, um, this was one of my choices because, uh, and, and the reason why I chose this movie, guys, was because we're going to take this podcast in, you know, in different directions, of course, not just reviewing movies that we love and, and, and playing cool drinking games as well, but reviewing <laughs> movies that we think that we could have done something for, you know? But not only that, this movie has a lot to do with a couple of movies that we just reviewed just recently, in my opinion. Now, one of them being Superman 2, <clears throat> right. and the other one yes. being The Rive and Destiny. Right. Mm-hmm. right. One of those two being much more fun than the other. Damn. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But the reason why I mentioned those two is because, uh, and we're going to get into the to Valerian here, but um, to me, Valerian has a lot is a lot like Superman 2 in that it's very, very boring. All right? And then... And, <laughs> and then it, it's a lot like the Riven because they were trying to push a new sci-fi movie. But the thing is, is that, well, we have a better sci-fi movie. Yeah. We and, really the, do. And, and you know, this one's based on a set of graphic novels, the Valerian graphic novels. And I remember that uh, re- reading before it came out because I was actually, I'm a huge Luc Besson fan. I mean, I don't know. Why are you a Luc Besson fan? And mostly because I discovered The Fifth Element in my youth. And I thought The Fifth Element was hands down one of the best sci-fi movies I've ever seen. Rob, I'm right there with you. Like, yeah. I didn't know much about Luc Besson, but uh, The Fifth Element has struck stuck with me ever since I saw it. Loved yeah, that film. No, it's a great film and and I think almost a little bit ahead of its time. But oh, the yeah. thing the thing about uh this movie in particular, and I told Peter before we actually sat down to do this was uh I have a lot of notes about this movie. Um there are <laughs> I will say there are a lot of things that I think that blew me away. I think that there are a mm, lot of things that yep. are great about this movie. Uh, but there's also a lot that uh, I can understand why the movie flopped. So I'll get into those a little later. Well, but. actually, just a quick disclaimer here. Uh, Schulte, why do you think the, this movie flopped? Because the, the the budget itself was, what, $180 million? I think it was his biggest budget $180 million yeah. plus, plus, uh, plus advertisement would bring it up to a budget of $240 million. And Whew. yeah, yeah and big. so it raked in forty-one million dollars. So it was a huge, huge, massive, yeah, colossal. Flop. So why do yeah. you guys just to just to start us off? Why do you guys think that this thing failed? A big problem was it wasn't at least to me advertised in a way where I knew what the movie was about, um, and it it just seemed like generic space action film, but nothing broke through that weird wall that some movies successfully passed through in advertising and secondly and we can get into this later the leads i did not feel were charismatic whatsoever (laughs) so So i'm gonna i I gotta piggyback off of that one rob uh i agree with you on your second point i think that the leads in this movie i definitely uh, they were weak like i think they were visually interesting because they have like interesting yeah. faces, but they I don't think they were the right people for the job, unfortunately. And I disagree with you, actually, on the marketing scheme, because we reviewed a movie earlier 
whose marketing and back in the day was ahead of its time. The Matrix was one of those movies that we did not know what the movie was about during the advertisement. But once you got to see it, it captivated you. And I think this is where Valerian fell apart. I think I guess just to, to jump back on that real quick is that I feel like the Matrix advertising, I got left with a sense of mystery. What is the Matrix? The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. And also the the decade that it came out in, we didn't have a whole bunch of access to research more on it. And right. nothing about Valerian's advertising made me want to go out and find out more, you know? I think but, also part of the problem of all this, too, is because I think the market, it, you know, granted, Marvel is is a great studio, but I think we've been oversaturated with heavy visual yeah. effects sci-fi movies that... Well, th- that's one of the reasons why I wanted this movie to succeed so much. Right. Because I'm tired, and I've mentioned this to you, Rob, I'm tired of relying on marvel for my entertainment right i am yes. exhausted by i that. agree i agree i mean you know and they're great movies and i'm like man i'm gonna go see that one i'm gonna go see that one but now i'm gonna say okay someone else has got to do something right yeah well give me I'd, a new series thank you and i'd like to see something that's not based off of something else you know what i mean i know that studios are all about i mean let's face it they're owned by corporations they want the fast, easy money, and they're going to go with reliable properties because they want to secure investment. But at the same time, I'm like, I think you guys have gotten to the point where that's already that that, um, you know, copper vein or, or gold mine has been exhausted. And we need to move on to new areas that maybe aren't based on anything so that you create some intrigue and bring it and you got to take those bold risks and Star Wars anybody. Yeah, I will say this. I don't think Valerian was devoid of risk taking. I think that Luke really went out on a limb to try to take a risk. I just think that there are other things that I'll get into that led to the flop of this. One of them being that I think that movie is all over the place. It just doesn't know what kind of movie it wants to be. Mm. Uh, It's got so many elements in play that it becomes hard for you to stick to one thing. And I'll get more in detail about that, but I don't know if you guys agree. Totally. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Rob, take it away with that, uh, that, that, uh, that little reading that you do every time. Oh yes. <laughs> I've got the, uh, VHS of Valerian in front of me. I'm flipping it over <gasps> right now. You I found a VHS uh, version VHS of, of Valerian. <laughs> That's amazing. It. Yeah. The, the plastic is still on it. It's crazy. You oh, know? Damn. Uh, it says in the 28th century, Valerian and Loreline are a team of special operatives charged with maintaining order throughout the human territories. Under assignment from the Minister of Defense, the two embark on a mission to the astonishing city of Alpha, an ever-expanding metropolis where species from all over the universe have converged over centuries to share knowledge, intelligence, and cultures with each other. There's a mystery at the center of Alpha, a dark force which threatens the peaceful existence of the city of a thousand planets, and Valerian and Loreline must race to identify the marauding menace and safeguard not just Alpha, but the future of the universe. That's a big slice of pie, boys. 
But that's what I mean. There's a lot in there. I'm going to give you guys my first impression when I first started watching this, right? Uh, and, I, and I'm fresh off the boat. I actually watched it right before this podcast. I had wanted, I had been wanting to watch it because I'm a sci-fi fan, clearly. Yeah. But here's what happened. My first impressions were I was blown away by the level of production design, creature design, and overall just scope. I mean, like the visuals in this movie, I will say throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm are absolutely stunning. Breathtaking. Amazing. I mean, like, I was really blown away at the creature design, at all the little intricacies that you get established. The only, and, and I actually liked the beginning. I liked that that passage of time that shows how we as a human, as the human yes, race evolved like into space travel. Yes. I will say it's a little long. I would have cut, I would have cut it down a bit. Me too. Yeah, um, and I think using Space Oddity Odyssey was just a little too on the nose for me, but when I could like I walk past it. that. Yeah. Well, I just feel like I've seen it done, you know what I mean? Which yeah. I guess might be an issue of this movie as a whole, but I love that segment. You know, I love right. seeing us grow and meeting new cultures. Right. Right. And and again, I think I think that was working for me until I get introduced to the two main characters, and then I said, okay, <laughs> who dropped the Gouda and the giant block of cheese that I just got <laughs> on this one? Because my biggest, I, I guess my biggest gripe with this movie not is not just that the leads aren't as strong, but also the dialogue is just absolute shit, guys. Bad dream. No. But I feel better now. Don't you think we should run through our assignment? That's the last thing I feel like doing. Not very professional, Major. Look, scored a perfect 200 on my last memory test. Oh, God, yeah. So, first of all, I have a little bit of a problem with Dan DeHaan. I don't know how this guy does movies, all right? I'm just literally, everything that he's in, I'm just like, if if I see that guy's name in in a movie, I'm like, okay, I'm walking the other direction. Uh, But you didn't like Chronicle? No. I thought he was great Place Beyond the Pines? No, I don't like any of them. I thought uh, he was great in Chronicle. The, uh, I like Kara. Kara is amazing. But um, yeah, th- that being said, uh, the reason why I don't like a lot of his movies, and especially this one, is he doesn't take any risks. He doesn't He doesn't look like he's having fun with it at all. And he's one note throughout the entire movie. He's I will trying agree to with pull the one this note-ness. weird Keanu Reeves. I know. I, thought, I was there thinking Johnny That's Utah. That's it right there. <laughs> right? I was he, thinking like Keanu Reeves in like Dracula, you know, but Johnny, yeah. Johnny Utah Johnny, is yeah. perfect. And I, and, yeah. I, and I will say, dude, I think that Dan DeHaan is actually a pretty good actor. He's He's got some stuff, some niche uh, roles in there. That I, I, like I said, I really liked him in Chronicle. I thought he was great in that. But in this movie, the one tone that you're mentioning, Peter, I kind of felt it with both those characters. I oh, felt it God. with oh, yeah. Cara Delevingne and him. I don't know if you agree, Rob. I do. I, I do agree. And I feel like the dialogue throughout the movie that was like based on their romantic relationship yeah, which is- was like, pulled directly from like an early 90s rom-com yeah. you know it was it like was for being this far into the future it's like we're still relying on like very simple relationship work-life tropes which it was, was just yeah i missed the mark well I, I would have liked to have seen their the flirtation go 
in like, you know, throughout the movie, like you, you want to see their, their relationship grow. You know what I mean? Cause she could, you want to I mean, see like, a show. You don't want to be told that they're yeah, now in like, love he could or be at like least in a better of, relationship. Exactly. He could be like ignoring her and she could be kind of attracted. And then, and then he could be like talking to other women, like other women on the bridge. And she could be like jealous of that. Well, you know, I mean, something. they show Give that with something. like the track record thing, but what I will say, but that's telling, not showing. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree and disagree because when I was watching this sequence in particular, when they're out on the beach and stuff like that, like I saw what Luke Besson was trying to do. He was trying to say that these guys were quick witted. They've known each other all their lives, like like for a long time. Like they have they obviously have some chemistry together. Um, and, you know, like they're they're these very savvy agents or whatever, because obviously they're pulling moves on each other or whatever. I just thought that for the introduction it was a little too much on the nose. Like you want to play with these tensions. And I know that that might seem cliche, but you want these relationships to simmer a little bit, you know? Yes. And you, I, I want to grow with the characters. I yeah. want to learn as the movie goes on. Exactly. Exactly. And I just didn't, I didn't feel that. And then on top of that, the, just the poor dialogue, like one of the major things I would have done to, to redo this movie, like you said, Peter, is I would have brought a script doctor just to work on the dialogue. Yes. And yeah. I don't think, do you think that they had a script doctor? You don't think they had a script doctor at all, do you? Because Luke is the writer, director, producer. He's one of those yeah. M. Night Shyamalan yeah. types, you know? I think, I don't M. know M. if Shyamalan. they did, because I know that he pri he got it privately funded through Europe and all that stuff. I don't think the st major studios had much to do with, like, wow. the actual funding of it. Like, And that was one of the things, I think is one of the biggest internationally funded movies in the world, in history, I think. I, I, I remember reading yeah. something about it. And I think there's something to be said about, like, I think you mentioned it earlier, Rob, like, the success of the comic book series this is based on in right. France. And, like, that's huge, like, in terms of representation and being brought to, like, an American audience for France. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, like, 90% of the population over here probably hasn't even heard of it. Even comic book fans may not have gotten to read those yet. Which is so, cool, you know, you can introduce something cool, new. I think that's cool, you know? but I think there are aspects of the comic that probably resonate really well with people that then seem to pop as odd on film to well, an audience that's not familiar. I'll say this, I love graphic novels and sci-fi graphic novels in particular. There's one that I've read called Saga, right? Which is oh, Brian... Oh, Saga's great. Yeah, it's Brian K. Vaughn. He used to write for Lost. He's, you know, he's a very, very talented writer. The series is a graphic novel. It is sci-fi to its very core, but I don't ever know how somebody could translate that into film because it is really wacky. And I kind of got the feeling watching Valerian that it was sort of a similar problem that it's, yeah. it works as a graphic novel, but it's very difficult to translate the scope of this thing. I felt like Valerian may be better as a TV show, to be honest with you, than a, than I, a yeah, set of Yeah, I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah. yeah, I could jump on board with that. Yeah. But it, it was way too much, way too fast. Uh, one of my th one of my number one gripes with the movie itself was we don't get introduced to Valerian till about 15 minutes in, which is fine. You can do that with certain, yeah. like, you know, like Luke Skywalker. We don't know who he is until about 20 minutes into the movie. That being said, what you're what you're introducing into this into this world uh, is is like uh, first you, you're setting it up cool, but then a random planet gets destroyed, and I'm like, why are we caring about this? You know, I and will they say I didn't feel sympathetic about they the, could have cut the entire the sequence out yeah. and put it at the end of the movie. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't. It feel looked it. gorgeous. It, it looked did. amazing. Yeah, no, that's it, it was stunning. Did. Anybody play um, Knights of the Old Republic, the first one? Yeah, of course. It oh, looked like yeah. the last planet on that game. Oh, kind of a little yes. bit. Yes. <laughs> oh man, flashback. And maybe this is the cynical side of me, but um, anytime a planet is destroyed and there are human main characters I'm introduced to, I immediately think, "Oh shit, what did Earth do?" You know? Yes. Right. 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 And I mean, you get the you get you totally get the sense of that. I mean, they establish it with like this nice, like indigenous looking planet and these 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 indigenous looking people. They, you know, like live off of nature, these pearls and like they give back to the earth. And then all of a sudden, like the mech and the smoke and the fire comes blasting through their beautiful atmosphere and just contaminates everything and blows everything up. The problem is that when this like princess chick like starts running over and she gets like locked out, like I didn't feel I didn't feel sympathetic because you don't know who she is. But there is a movie that I will bring up that this reminded me of. Did you guys ever see? No. Did you guys ever see The Rock? Michael Bay's The Rock. Love that movie. Oh, yeah. Arguably one of his best movies. (laughs) Yes. Arguably one of Michael Bay's best films. And they give him a lot of crap for like the Transformers movies. Like, oh, he just likes explosions. I'm like, watch The Rock and then come talk to me. You know what I mean? Like, I remember when I first watched it, I almost had anxiety watching that movie because the tension was through the roof. And in that opening scene where they go and they steal the VX gas and one guy gets locked inside with the gas. And it's just so horrific because you see him kind of get infected and the bubbling and his skin starts. I remember feeling so bad for this dude. And I didn't even know who the hell he was like the entire time. And I wonder if that's like an uncanny valley thing, too, where like this is just distanced enough away from reality to us that like how could we connect? Yeah. But no matter what, we're like learning so much so fast that we don't even have time to catch up with the emotion that's being laid in front of us. We just understand right. what's happening. Which is the fundamental problem, and I'll talk to you guys like, as a f- sci-fi fan. The fundamental problem of sci-fi is that at the end of the day, it is a language, right? You are talking yeah. about creating things that do not exist. So as humans, we sort of have to learn and adopt that world. Like We're used to Marvel. We're used to Star Wars because it's taken many, many films or comic books and stuff like to establish what we're watching, right? Now as an audience, yeah, we've gotten a lot of sci-fi movies and stuff, but it's kind of hard to absorb everything and understand it unless you develop it for a while. I think that's also why Avatar works because we're only on Pandora, so we get to learn about that race and those characters as Jake Sully Mm -hmm. learns about those characters. We are kind of thrown in here and we're given a really good sequence at the beginning, but it's just... It's difficult to see what like does this creature like just replicate pearls like what like what's going yeah. on like what and you have so many other questions because they're so visually intriguing that you over om- almost overstimulate the audience. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's like uh, and you don't have like an audience proxy in this movie. Right. You right. know, you don't have someone learning along with you. But right. I digress. Well, right. here's the thing. For me, the way I would have started this movie is like. Uh, you push, they push out, you know, 2150 push out and then 400 years later and you see Valerian and Laureline doing their thing. You know right, what I mean? Inve- right. Doing an investigation mm-hmm. or something. Give me some kind of action, you know, just to jump us in. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? Just to show yes. that, oh, wow, you know, these these two work together. Oh, wow. They're pretty good at what they do. You know, like yeah. give us that. But instead we get this weird, uh, this weird alien thing uh, where they get destroyed and then all of a sudden he wakes up on the beach and I'm just like, OK, what happened and why am I interested and who cares? 
Right. If he, if they would have like been on a super secret spy mission and kicking ass right at the beginning, and then once they finish it, you know, we go to bed and then he has the dreams or whatever. Yeah. And we see all of that opening planet just in like quick, succinct visions that have been given to him. Like that, you're right. That would have been so much more fun and succinct. Exactly. As, as visually stimulating as it is, you know what I mean? I'm a sci-fi fan, so, like, I think I absorb it a lot easier like than if, like, my mom was going to go see this movie. She wouldn't understand True. what the hell was going on, right? But you, yeah. that's where you have to also ground sci-fi in as much human emotion as possible, which I think they were trying to do. Yes, exactly. But, you know, the problem, I think, with this movie that I didn't see, right, like, which I see with other movies, like, for example, like Godzilla, King of the Monsters or whatever, it's like, or like any of the later Transformers movies is I get severe action fatigue. Like it's just too mm. much action, robot, sci-fi stuff, whatever. I actually didn't get that from this movie because they were trying to tell a story. I just think that they poorly executed it. And it, and like I said, the dialogue takes you out of it or whatever, but well, there is plenty of story in well, this. Well, not to cut you off, yeah, Rob, no, 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 but, no, no, but here's fine. the thing. I'm not saying have an action scene. I'm saying yeah. let's see them in action. In other words, it. if they're doing an investigation or something, start us with that. Start us with that and right. let us know that they know what they're doing. You know right. what I mean? Right. Does that right. make sense? You know, and then they're working together on some kind of mission. I'd know? have to read the graphic novels to see how faithful the movie is to it and see how, you well, know, because then I, I can connect. I'm the sure pacing. the school bus is in the graphic novels. You can the armadillo. <laughs> yeah. So that let's go to that sequence, guys. The the yeah. the fucking market. Welcome. To big market. That is a, in in another dimension or like a virtual reality. Like that was actually hard for me to kind of understand Fall. at first. It was very difficult yeah. until a little bit later in that sequence. Yeah, I, it's hard to like, like there is a good uh, explanation because they give you a tour guide and so they walk you through what has to happen. Right. You, know, you put on your gloves, you put on your helmet, they flip on everything you need to be in a different dimension. And then it's just, you know, like, any sort of tourist town, right? You know, come and buy your your gadgets and who's its and whatnots. But I was confused as well on like the rules of the dimension. You know, like when I'm shopping in the dimension, can I still interact with things in real life? And soon we learn that you you could, like, if you ran into a tree or something, you would run into a tree. Right. But right. Right. It doesn't. I don't know. It, I think I spent more time thinking about that than actually like. Pay, living in the film paying attention to the scene which is which is a problem because yeah. again i mean like that's what i was talking about it's such a sci-fi deep concept and again i i get it luke Besson was very passionate about this movie because but it was he like, couldn't come up with a better design than a school bus well i think that also goes to like the retro sci-fi stuff like i think if you look at any of luke Besson's movie even the fifth element there's an element of wackiness and cheesiness that's yeah. acceptable and that's the key difference between Fifth Element and Valerian is But that, I'm going to counter you on that. What? I could have accepted a school bus on Earth in the Fifth Element. Oh, yeah, but you're right. It's yeah, that's what planet. I was thinking, too. But yeah. there is like, you know, if we're going to suspend think, things yeah. and these people are from Earth and they're also like these covert Marines and they're or coming whatever. as tourists, they said, right? They're supposed to yeah. blend in with tourists. But it is one of those segments where it's like, well, why are we using a school bus? But... 
There's a lot of things that we could like beat to death on that sort of way. Right. It, it is just a matter of like a lot just being like the bucket has been poured on our head here. <laughs> and this is the thing. It's that's what I was saying. Like, I think Luc Besson being such a sci-fi fan and now having so you know, because CG really evolved now that you literally can do anything you absolutely you want to do. When he made the fifth element, it was 1995, guys. Like Damn. Or, oh or 1998. God. I'm not 100% Damn. sure. But, like, it was a different time, man. Like, he oh, didn't have yeah. the resources that he has now. So now it's like a sandbox effect. And it's like it's like when you compose a symphony and you put way too many instruments. Or whatever. Like, you need to know what you're going to narrow and pinpoint and focus on. Mm -hmm. And, like, again, ground us in the story while painting the backdrop of this sci-fi world. And I think that this market is so elaborate. And it's a cool sequence in terms of its visual side of it, but it's just hard to follow, especially if you're giving us a big slice of story in this moment. So real quick, uh, not to uh, not to catch you. No, no, you're good. You're good. How would you have directed this scene or what would you have cut out as a director know. coming from a director mind? It's, it's a hard one, man, because if 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 the interdimensional uh, market is supposed to play a big role, I, I just would have established some of the rules a little bit earlier. Like I would have seen somebody bump it like one of the tourists that's following the guy with the big turban. Yeah. Right. If he's following and he bumps into like 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 Rob said, he bumps into like a tree or something. They go, oh, oh, you got to be careful. Like, blah, blah, blah. And like they just kind of establish a little bit of the rules that you get a little bit of a glimpse. OK, this is how this market works. And you enter you maybe tie it a little bit to the story you establish these hooded creatures that are actually the the, yeah. the white indigenous people i forget what the the, the mules or i don't want to call them mules but <laughs> they're they're from planet mule right uh, i think they're the pearls i think they are referred to as, as but the pearls we know who we're talking about right here. i would have established them a little bit and i don't know man i, I it, it's such a complex sequence and then the fact that they do kind of explain this machine or whatever but like i would have said like hey like if you're gonna go between dimensions you got to do this like i would have just put it a little bit more clear for the audience and maybe shun away a little bit from the story until we get to a point where the, the audience has already kind of accepted oh we know how this marketplace works or whatever he infiltrated this and heard this story slice i just think it's like they're giving us a lot of visual a lot of key story elements all at once and it's just hard to process what's going on on top of that some action sequence you know so mm -hmm. You know, if we're talking about things we do differently, I wonder if this interdimensional market would have been better suited to just be part of the market that was on Alpha. Yeah, I was going to ask that yeah, question. Like you next. cut it, right? Like, Rob, what do you like? Yeah. Do you think that this would have worked as a better sequence on Alpha and maybe at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, I think I would rather just get to alpha right you know i want to be there because i still feel like there was more to explore on alpha than we got i loved everything about alpha i love seeing yeah. like the different segments and you know a lot of times sci-fi does suffer and even star wars on like this planet is all this right you know and this at least gives us like well this segment is where this uh um, this type of alien lives and it's what they're used to and here, but everyone's free to go from wherever they want. Loved the underwater sequences, loved the market on alpha. I thought that was super cool. I mean, not to even mention Ethan Hawke is like some crazy alien cowboy, <laughs> but did he um, feel, I, I feel like he felt sort of out of place. Like it's like, Oh, oh yeah. But Ethan it was Hawk hilarious to watch. Cameo in, 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 with, which also leads me to, Rihanna? I'm sorry, man. Like, 
why are you casting Rihanna in a movie? <laughs> oh, Rihanna was hot at the time. I, you know, I know she was. I know she's hot, oh. but I'm like, she has no business being in movies, man. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I well, that's a, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. she had done like one movie before this, but they were like Battleship. I think this was that another terrible <laughs> flop? I mean, like, come on. <laughs> what I'm saying is, they're like, where are they pinching their pennies? And I think they feel like it's a good get to get a super music star who's like. Hot in the terms of like, yeah, to bring in an audience, like, right? In the audience mind, doesn't work though. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it doesn't. It just, work. it just doesn't work. I mean, like, look, man, I have a, I've always, as a director, had a gripe with the fact that I, I'm not into the politics of Hollywood, where like, oh, you're a music star, therefore, hey, let's put you in movies because, yeah, money. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I have a problem with that. Like, I don't think, for example, and I'm going to be say it wildly unpopular here. I don't think Justin Timberlake should be in movies. That's my personal opinion. Um, you know what I mean? Like, and it's because, look, man, you're talented at what you do in music. Stick to that. Rihanna, I and think you're talented at what you do in music. She's a stunningly beautiful woman. And a talented dancer. And a talented dancer. I just don't think it fit. Like, I was watching that whole stripper pole sequence, and I'm going like, okay, it's cool visually, but like... Okay, like, what is this Another thing we can cut from this movie to bring it down a little bit. A little bit, man. I mean, it's cool how they establish that Bubble is this polymorphing kind of character, and they, they do it in a sweet sequence. Like, look, I mean, the opera sequence in Fifth Element, amazing. Everybody loves that yep. scene. And I think they yeah. kind of tried to make this the opera sequence, kind of, but yeah. it just fell off them. It just felt a little creepy to me and weird, and then she's like a... I don't know, man. I just... Rihanna didn't sell me on it, especially when she dies in the movie. It was like, oh, Oh, yeah, it's tough. And also, like, Justin Timberlake, if you want to be an actor, like, fund your own movie and play all the roles if you want. Or, like, campaign in Hollywood to get an Oscar like he did for so (laughs) many of his movies, which he did not even deserve to even be in. You know what I mean? I don't know. I have a huge I, I really don't like that guy. I'm sorry. Pop, unpopular Same. opinion. Oh, no, it's not hey, the you don't I, have I, to I, say. I don't. Want, I don't listen to any of his stuff. I've never seen a movie with Justin Timberlake in it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, uh. I digress. I digress. But yes, I thought that was kind of out of place, and it just felt like if you're going to put someone a sequence in like that, just give me a stronger actor that that can sell me on being kind of a multi polymorphic. Yeah. Like you need a talented actor for that. You know. Yes. Especially for well, that and role. also that is a role that deserves more than 15 minutes of screen time. Exactly. You know, for sure. Yes. That like with all the things that we could trim down and cut and change in this movie, like that is a character I want to see on the A team of this movie. I agree. You know, I agree. Oh, absolutely. You, you could have like, I mean, like the third wheel could be like this weird alien person who's a remember you guys see uh, uh, Hellboy. Yeah, you know the prof- uh, What's his mm-hmm. name? The wait, wait, like uh, the fir- like the Guillermo del Toro yeah, ones. Yeah, the Guillermo okay, del Toro yeah, ones. Yes, uh, Abe. Abe. Yes. Abe. He. He's a weird. Abe you know, Sapien. Abe yeah. Sapien. Yeah, yeah, he's a weird. You know, like what? What does he do? You know what I mean? Like it's. It would be an interesting to have that as like a third wheel to the to the team. You know, and, and even if she Absolutely. was for the amount of time that she was, because she played a vital role in him infiltrating this one place where they were going to eat Cara Delevingne's head or whatever, but. I just felt that I, w- I was watching her death sequence and I was like, man, I really want to care about this character because I think that the story that they have behind her that she was like been training since she's four and like 
you know, this is her art as well, like to mm-hmm. be adopt roles. And like, it's like more, it, you know, it just goes more than just transforming and looking like she has to like, this is yeah. what she's passionate. And then the way she does, she's like, I think I was injured in the battle. No shit. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah, no, no like the dialogue didn't sell me on it. And I was just thinking, I was like, man, I really wanted to care well, about well, this character. Dying. One line that I picked up from there, guys, because, you know, I like to take lines that are yeah. like, that break the fourth wall a yeah. little bit. Well, this one had the reverse effect on me. Um, so Valerian says, all I do is flirt and joke. And I'm like thinking, I'm looking at the screen and I'm all like, no, you don't. You haven't flirted or yeah. joked this entire movie. What are you talking about? Give me a joke. You've attempted yeah. to. <laughs> I mean, I think I think they try to establish him like he's this bad boy flirt. But like, I I don't know, man. I just felt like I, I like... Dan DeHaan's face like I think it's an interesting face he kind of reminds me of a, like a darker Leo DiCaprio in a way but oh I can see that yeah but the thing about him is like I expected Valerian and it look it doesn't have to always be some muscle bound like good looking dude you know what I mean but I just expected someone different man I would have cast someone else in that role that I would have that would have portrayed that bad boy thing like for example like even look it just a young popped Brad Pitt type or Charlie Hunnam you know there what you I mean would have would have worked Ooh, you yeah. know like I don't know, man. Someone that I know has like that bad boy flirty presence. Yes. I didn't just quite get that but from him. My whole thing would have been like, I, here, first of all, we got to go back to the, the main bad guy of this whole thing. And right. they kidnap the commander right. who's played by Clive Owen. And automatically right. you you know that, oh, this guy's the bad guy. Yeah. I think that it would have been hilarious. Like you put some comedy in there. Like, so I would, you know, when he's getting dressed and putting the, the gold on his chest. Well, it would have been yeah, like a steampunk. It, it would have been hilarious if he was like <laughs> M. Bison it out and like put a cape on too. Oh, yeah. You know, and he would have swung it around and be like, like, what do you think? You know what I mean? And then, and then Valerian comes in. And he's like, sir, permission to speak freely, sir. He's like, permission granted. It's like, that is the greatest you've ever looked in your life, sir. Total suck up. You know what right, I mean? Talk like shit behind, yeah, talk shit behind his back all the time, but wants a promotion so badly. So he's like, total suck up. Yes, sir, sir. <laughs> you know, but he's messing. It would have been I, funny. Oh, yeah. You know, I, and this is give weird it character because Luke Besson actually shines with this type of comedy. Like, just watch the Fifth Element. There's yeah. tons of moments like that with like the Federation that they have there. That Bra- uh, that Bruce Willis. Everything know. Bruce Willis says. Yeah, it's great. You know. Let me ask you guys this. Yep. Um, I think the comic is actually just like Valerian and Loreline. Mm. Like that's the title of it. Yeah. Do you think by changing this to Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, it had like the John Carter effect, where it's like, well, who is that? It felt like, I don't, oddly like, like John Carter when you, now that you say that. It did actually. So w- w- here's 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 my here's my interpretation of what you're saying, and th- this is something that crossed my mind last night. Um. So you either change the name to Valerian and Loreline and start the show, the movie off with those two, you know, right? Or you mm-hmm. change the name to the City of a Thousand Planets and you start the movie off with the, the all these satellites and these people coming together to create this planet. You you can't have both, you know, yeah, because then you're totally confused. I also think that they they really it was difficult, man, because. You know, I think that Luke Besson likes to play around with the themes of love and like he does embrace f- strong female characters because he's done that well, especially with Lilu. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah, I think that he really missed the mark on this one. And it comes off oddly misogynistic and shitty and not like really like there's no arc for like, I don't believe that like Valerian was like changing and trusting her like i i don't know like it just fell no, apart for me at all yeah like it was like 
he was like, hey, you watch the back. But it, it was just so poorly written that it's like, hey, he's a misogynist. He doesn't trust uh, Kara's character, even though he relies on her for everything. It was kind of like, all right, well, is it? It would have been funny if it was like uh, when she was like, well, no, thank you. It's like, well, I don't have to thank you, babe. You know what I mean? Something like that. It would have been. It just, it just was so care- bad, man. And it just, you don't know. I'm like, all right, well, is it? that he doesn't trust her or he can't live without her. But like, you're, you're giving me mixed signals here and I don't yep. understand. So like when she does say like, ah, uh, like how about you go for backup and I walk in or whatever. And like, you say that you see that she's frustrated. I'm like, but like, that doesn't feel genuine to me at this point. Like, I don't know. Like, it just, I know what you mean. It's like, it's forced, like super words forced. in her mouth, but I don't believe either character. I don't. That well, was you, you know what's right. interesting? I'll bet you, like, y- if you look at past "quote unquote" relationships on screen, um, like uh, Legend of the Falls or uh, what, what was another one? Willow. Well, the, actually, I remember Willow, the director uh, Ron Howard, talking about Willow, how Val Kilmer and what's her, uh, the 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 lead, the female lead in that? I can't remember her name. Uh, they Cora, started dating. They started dating in the like, and and it just it came through on screen. These two, I don't even think they went to coffee together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's let's make the best movie we can. Let's go for drinks. Let's find out things about each other, and let's be let's let's actually become friends so that translates onto screen. You know. Well, and I think I there's agree, a big issue of just so much going on right. in this script right. that then, unfortunately, the first thing to fall by the wayside are the relationships, friendships, romantic whatever because it's constantly trying to speed up to the next scene and it's just too many themes guys we have the theme of the bad boy misogynist who doesn't trust his female partner but unfortunately can't live without her then you have the theme of love between the two of them then you have a theme of like doing what's right for your duty or not or breaking the rules then you have the theme of the overall show where it's like you know we need to save the universe which is getting old at this point with every sci-fi movie out there you have the themes of betrayal that you know we all saw coming. Like, I mean, guys, did anybody predict the ending to this movie, or did not predict the end of this movie? Because I knew the ending when I found out who the commander was. I as soon as yeah, you see it's the one commander, of those ideas where like one of the superstars in the film. Well, they're probably it's like watching SVU. Yeah, and like Stephen Colbert shows up, and you're like, well, I wonder who the bad guy is. I exactly. was hoping that. You know, we were made to believe that the commander was actually a bad guy and we were going to get a twist at the end that the white creatures, the pearls were actually going to be the bad guys. Yes. And we've been misled to think this whole thing. And I would have been like, okay, well, that that would have worked a little bit. It would have still been cheesy, but it would have worked more. No, we didn't get that. And I was like, all right, so great. This whole movie was for what? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. To save some pearls. Like, I don't I don't know, man. Like, it just didn't give me the stakes were not high enough in any of the action sequences either like the moment where he has and as much as they want to tell us you know about us wiping out the planet and them being the last and them just trying to survive again you don't believe it no because nah it's just it's just so like on a platter for you and it's it's too monotone like like peter said yeah we don't we don't get um i never felt tense in any of the action sequences do you guys agree Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I do, and I I liked some of them, but they I don't know. I could easily take or leave them. I just you know? never felt like. Look, man, I feel 
anxiety for the characters. Like I feel for Han Solo, Luke and Leia when they're on that planet or whatever. Like, like I, I feel the danger, even though I know they're probably going to make it. I never felt like Valerian went down on a ship and he was in danger. I never felt that Kara was in danger when she got taken. And on top of that, she got fished by holding a butterfly. This is like a chick who just escaped from two military guys and beat the shit out of them. And she doesn't know that those butterflies are fishing poles. And yeah. no, not just that. Like she gets captured and put in a wicker basket and dragged away. And I'm supposed to believe that she's now the damsel in distress. I'm like, dude, like where we're all over the place. Yeah, in this she just movie. kicked yeah. two guys' asses. Right. And all of a sudden, and went through, went, went, put the jellyfish on her head. And now she gets captured by a wicker. And basket? she's like, Valerian, save me. I'm the damsel in distress. And I'm like, all right, well, like you just went to rescue him. And then you get yourself caught yeah. like this. Like, I don't, I don't it's buy inconsistent. It. Like, I'm like, it's just doesn't work, you know? So well, I would have yeah. cut that. I would have cut that out, man. talk about this the more i just keep coming back to what you said earlier that like this would be an awesome television show yeah yeah, yeah. you need like, you need to give it time to simmer yeah and you could actually explore the world more or the universe i should say exactly you know for something this expansive you know it's not so like it's not so much of an odyssey like um or an opera rather like star wars where you know you go to one planet it's a jungle planet or a forest planet or a desert planet you know, with this one is like it's there's a thousand different places you can go, you know, so you got to mm -hmm. give it that time to simmer, you know, because every every episode you could be exploring a different planet, you know, by the way, to piggyback, even if it was just a couple of movies to establish just this plot line yes. would yeah. have worked. Yeah, exactly. But to piggyback off of what you said, it's like I felt that Kajorian was in danger the entire movie for uh, of the Riven. Like that was like, yeah. oh, he's is he going to live? Is he going to die? You feel that anxiety. Yeah. And I, and I think the reason why I mean, not to, I mean, I wrote it. So I, like, I don't want to toot my own horn here. But I think the way the reason that it works was because Kajorian being this amazing warrior, he's injured from the very beginning of that movie. Exactly. He's, so he has a vulnerability, yes. but he's not giving up and he's fighting the whole point. The whole theme of that movie was overcoming obstacles and mm -hmm. facing dif dangerous situations. And. Kajorian's doing that the whole time, but he gets broken down little by little by little. And at the end, it's not he doesn't win like like they open up an opportunity for him to win. The, the, yes. the you know, the, the, the Rhea, the emissary sacrifices herself to save him, which then in part gives him a change. I never felt in Valerian that like when when uh, Laureline goes after him, like I, I just I never felt like the sense of urgency from her. Ooh. As like, oh, my Valerian buddy. Valerian could get away with anything. He could get Pretty out much. of every situation. And we were never put in a spot where we were truly worried about him. Even when everyone was getting covered in that goo yeah. from the pearls. Yeah. Like, he immediately was like, oh, I'm, people are getting covered in goo. Better put this thing in my right, mouth. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, you're never put in a place where you actually worry. Even when we get to, you know, Loreline having to... Uh, put a jellyfish butt on her head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it's just, I mean, again, it's so much sci-fi, so many sci-fi elements getting thrown at you. And then, like I said, if the dialogue was really well written, I think we would have gotten a better perspective. It's just, I keep going back to like, whoa, 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 uh, what are you doing? Drive the ship or whatever. And it's just like the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, did a student from like 
a film school <laughs> write this dialogue, man? Because this is what it feels like. It feels like bad student film dialogue. It you know? really does, yeah. actually. It doesn't feel High like school a, theater and character like development on top of that. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a veteran who's been in the business for how many years? How long has Luke Besson been directing oh, and I writing? Know. Jesus, I mean, you know, Leon at least thirty now. But the thing is, like, you see, I keep referencing back to Fifth Element because I feel like the Fifth Element lives in the world yeah. of this movie. There are there is a genuine connection between Lilu and Dallas. You know what I mean? Like like Corbin Dallas, right? Like like, like you uh-huh. feel that development, and you do feel that they fall in love at the end and stuff like that because they they just develop it really well. And the other characters that are supporting, like Ian Holmes' characters, it all feeds into that man. Like and it burns slower. You know, I just I don't know, man. I I think that it was just too big, and it kind of collapsed on itself because they wanted to put too much into it as opposed to, I don't know. Those are all my thoughts. I 100% agree. I want to divert just a second because I think you guys will love this story. Oh, I love it. Please. I was on tour at, um, do you guys familiar with Sketchfest in San Francisco? No. Um, what is that? Well, it's a, it, it happens once a year when a global pandemic isn't happening. And it's a like film festival slash podcast festival slash comedy festival, okay. right? And one of the shows that I help with, Friendly Fire, was out there doing... What did we do at that one? We did Rambo 3 mm-hmm. <laughs> at one of the theaters there. And afterwards, one of the hosts was like, Hey, Rob, me and the other two hosts are going to go over to a friend's place. And... Uh, you know, I'd like you to join in. You're a, you're a part of this team. So if you're not too tired, because it's the end of the night, right. he's like, come and join us. So, you know, I'm up for a surprise visit in San Francisco, as scary as that may sound. But I, uh, we went to this dark garage, and it was uh, Adam Savage's workshop. Oh, that's awesome. And in inside of it, amongst... Everything sci-fi and movie that you would want to play with and hold and touch is either a genuine article that he's gotten through auction or built himself. Wow. And just sitting on his pool table was the gun from the fifth element. Wow. That's badass. That has the brown camo on it and everything. Yeah, yeah. Voila. The GF one. Yeah. And it brought me back to Fifth Element so hard. It just made me remember all the things about the Fifth Element that I loved. And although this is a little bit of a brag, it sounds like a brag, it's not what I'm trying to say. (laughs) It really was a unique moment for my life and connected me to the films that I love, you know, and that made me feel something. And unfortunately, Valerian wasn't there for me like that. But But I respect it, and I respect what it was trying to do. If that makes any sense. I, I'll agree with you, Rob, but like, isn't that a, an amazing feeling when you watch a movie that sticks with you in the way that makes you think, you know, like, and you're, yeah. and it just has a, it, it's a, it makes an imprint in your life. Like Valerian wasn't that for me. It's not, yeah. it's not one of those. Oh, if you, if you haven't seen this, right, punch, punch yourself, yourself in, in the face. face. <laughs> now I will say it's a VFX artist dream. If you're going to go into oh, VFX, that's very true. watch this movie, pick it apart because I will say I really want to I, I would love to meet the concept designers of that movie yeah. and see how oh, they the, yeah. all the iterations, the amount of artwork that they must have put together for this film. It, massive, massive, massive. 
the problem is again and what we talked about like i would have i would have actually cut down a lot of that sci-fi stuff to get to more of the story i would have doctored the script for the dialogue and i would have if not, I would have turned it into a TV show so that we can appreciate all that. Mm. But yeah, it, it as a story um, at the end, which is the most important part, it, it fell apart for me. Yeah, you could have like taken the opening where the, the planet's getting destroyed or whatever and put that at the end, which is what they did. You know, when he yeah. meets the uh, Mole Emperor, they they uh, they tell the story again, you know. And and by the way, did you guys pick yeah. up? Did you guys pick up at all mm-hmm. that the princess was tra- that that the princess attached herself to Valerian and traveled with him? I saw. I've seen this movie twice. Yeah. I did not pick that up until the second viewing when he said it after Bubble dies, and I'm all like, "Where did this come from? All of a sudden, he's got yeah, it's the an- mole princess inside of her. I mean, inside of him. She's inside of him." It's the exact same thing that this movie, we talked about Supperstrom before. It wants to tell us and not show us. And I think that is also, like, crucially pointed out with their, like, Alex system. Right. That just is like, well, we need to get some information to our audience, and here it is. And that's what I talk about. You know, look, we reviewed one of the greatest movies of all time in terms of whether or not it was a perfect movie from a story standpoint, which is Back to the Future, right? Yep. That movie is a clear example of perfect setups and perfect payoffs. And I think that this movie failed in setting up that. Like, I would have put moments in where, you know, Valerian acts contrary to his personality. Yes. And Laurelian, yes. like, notices. And, you know, we start to see the struggle within Valerian. And we set up that something's going on with him since the moment that he got hit with that shockwave of energy, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing yes. that I think that happened too is like when they get to the dead zone they're like oh like how do we know like this is the bad guy or i was like well because we were lied to and i figured it out right now because you know we should be dead we're in the dead zone and we're not and i was like well holy shit man like nobody established any of this yeah. until now and i was like like okay and and on top of that i'm supposed to now believe valerian's a genius that can also within a whim <laughs> figure out the entire plot of the entire movie and know that hey, we were lied to, or like again, it's just it just drops with the setups and the payoffs. You need to establish these things and drop subtle cues that will keep the audience guessing. So when those moments are revealed, the audience, the best way that you know a setup and payoff worked is when an audience member goes like this, "Oh shit, that's what yes. it was." Yes. That's how you know you got it. You know. Yes. So yeah. my whole thing would have been I would have I would have cast someone who, like like you were saying, a Charlie Hunnam who who can bring that gravitas actually bring just like a sarcasm to him as well you know what i mean it's like he's such like um he's he puts up a front of being like this this ultimate badass police officer but in the end he needs her help you know and he's got a vulnerability within him which is this benevolent spirit which could have worked so well to tie the romance factor in but they just kind of sprinkled it at the end and you're like all right well that fell off the map yeah, you 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 mm-hmm. want to establish that he's like the you know he has a tough exterior, but inside he's just like, you know, he's just a regular guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't have like you know he's not oh yeah I'm the ultimate you know weapon. That's why it fell flat for me. All right, so I want to ask one positive question about this movie because you mm-hmm. know obviously we've been talking about how it didn't work, but like, Rob, do you have a favorite yes. sequence of the movie that stood out for you that you're like, damn, this this part was actually pretty cool. Um, I really really liked the chase sequence through alpha and then when he had to go into his like little solo tube as well um that was 
fun to watch. A little bit, you know, is this the Millennium Falcon? And maybe that's why I liked it. Right. But I really liked that. And I really, I, I briefly said this earlier, I really enjoyed the underwater segments. Mm. Right. right. Um, I, I thought that was, it just visually was beautiful. And it, and it's like the ocean is like space, you know, mm-hmm. you can totally get the same vibes from it in a completely different way. Right. How about you guys? Peter? Oh, man, how do I put this? Um, Don't think that I'm ragging on this movie at all. I really, really actually like this movie. I just was thoroughly bored with the performances. But I remember every single sequence in the film because they all stand out to me. That's the thing. I'm not trying to bash Luc Besson. I'm just saying that the the movie itself, the acting and some of the directing needed, uh, the the writing needed help. But as far as like the visuals... I remember I can tell you everything that happens in the entire film, like from the from the uh, from the the school bus scene, uh, the opening to the to the planet right. with the with the moles to the school bus scene to like her looking at the butterflies and then getting dragged up. Right. One of my favorite scenes was probably after he was entertained with the stri- uh, Rihanna, the the, uh, the stripper pole. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that whole long procession was probably one of my favorites. You know, the procession where yeah. she. Where Claire, uh, where Laura leads, yeah, where Laura leads. Uh, I was like, man, this food looks amazing. <laughs> you know, um, for me, I gotta say, I really enjoyed the opening sequence. Actually, like, I thought it was kind of cool to be like, oh, this is where humanity's going with space and stuff like that, and we have all these international countries coming together. But I thought it was. I thought we were going somewhere with that. And it was just kind of like, nah, uh, we're just at this point. And then Rucker Hauer again is also in it for like two seconds. seconds. And then I was like, oh, like you can't go wrong with a movie with Rucker Hauer in it. And then he was gone. And I was like, oh, well, that that's that. (laughs) Um, I think it's also because he died. But um, anyway, um, and I really actually enjoyed the moment where he's wearing his suit and he's like, well, that will bring me into a wall. She's like, yeah, well, you said the fastest way. Corny dialogue. But then. When he decides to put that suit in and he breaks through all those walls and you see all the sides of Alpha or whatever. Yes. That sequence is really cool. I actually did like that a lot. And I remember seeing that in the trailer going like, well, why did this movie flop? Because this looks really cool. However, I would have used that way earlier to establish Alpha. Yeah. And like show what this like. I just would have used it with a purpose. That's what I was talking about as far as like introduce them as doing their job. Yeah, yeah. And overall, I will say my sentiment of the movie is visually it's beautifully, it's just so stunning. It's it's an amazing amount of scope and work. I think that it was a challenge for Bassan to rope all of that sci-fi language while also telling a semi-complex story with two characters that I feel maybe in the graphic novel would have been are probably better established mm. um, I think he tried to mm-hmm. jam pack a little bit too much into like too much uh, too small a space and I think that that's what falls it apart but but I would give it out of five stars I'd give it like three just for the visuals mm. I can understand that yeah two I think I've said this before two half characters don't make one whole character that's a really good point I like that. Yeah. that, that I'm going to use that. I'm That's a really that. good point. I really like that, Rob. That was awesome. <laughs> thanks, guys. Well, th- Peter, I want to say thanks for bringing this to the fucking table. I probably wouldn't have watched it if we weren't going to do it for this podcast. You're welcome. I agree, actually. And I am glad that I that we did, and I am glad that I saw it. I, I really actually, to tell you the truth, 
I do enjoy the mo- the the moments in the movie. I do enjoy, like I said, the the visuals. But I almost passed out. You guys, you guys had the right idea. I almost idea. fell asleep too a couple of times. Well, it was lie. the performances, bro. It was yeah. the performances. Yeah. <laughs> we bring the charisma on Madrigal at the movies with Robin. Absolutely, Ross, you, you know. know it. <laughs> well, hey guys, this has been another successful episode wouldn't you say anything yeah. else you want to leave the people with before we get out of here well i i will say that you know um john ford was a revered director and one of the things that he used to say was once i've already cast my movie i already know how it's going to look and it is a testament to good acting and character development is what leads to a good story, which leads to a good movie. And I think that, you know, hopefully any young filmmakers out there will always consider that because it's something that people fall off on film schools. They cast kind of their cousins like that. But uh, I'll leave you guys with that nice quote from John Ford uh, to wrap the my thoughts about this movie. So, Well, you know that our audience can go to Apple Podcast, leave us five stars and a rating and review. If they do that, they can also be like, check out this film. It helps us. It helps them. It's going to be great. And now that we're out there for the world to see, uh, as of the release of this podcast, it's only going to get more positive. So I think uh, people need to make sure to tell their friends, keep subscribed to Magical at the Movies with Rob and Rob, and we'll be back next week. Peter, do you want to take it away? Absolutely. For every for for Rob and Rob, I am Peter Madrigal, and you're listening to Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. See you guys next week. Oh,